We have been in this series, Great Lives from God's Word, and we've been working our way through these characters that we see in God's Word. And we talk about, some of us grew up in Sunday school, we remember the flannel graph, we remember the stories, we remember the, the pictures, the Moses on the board, right? And we remember Joseph with a coat of many colors. And, and, uh, but you know, these aren't just characters, these aren't just Bible people. A lot of times we can kind of look at it and think, well, these are just Bible people. These are flesh and blood, men and women, that struggled with things, that they struggle with the very thing we just sang about. Are they going to surrender what they have over to God, or are they going to try to control it? Same thing I deal with. <laughs> I want my hands on the wheel. I want to I direct my life. I want to... But we see this over and over throughout God's Word, these men and women just like us. And I love it how the Bible is just... It's written in, in, in that real time, and it's, it's written... In the raw is what I'm going to call it. It's not cleaned up. It's, it's the real mistakes. It's the things that are made. And so that's why we, we look. The Apostle Paul said these things were written that we can see how our lives can reflect in them and how we can be changed by them. And uh, to emulate some of the great things we see and how many know we can avoid some of the mistakes we see in here. And so we are in, uh, in the life of Joseph. And one of the challenges that Clint and I are both having on this is that how do you cram such powerful people and lives into a couple weeks, right? Uh, three weeks in the life of Joseph. It's just kind of scratching the surface. But as you know, Joseph, incredible character. I hope this just makes you more curious about him. You can begin reading in uh, the book of Genesis. Uh, more is written in the book of Genesis about this story than any other happening, even in the creation of the world. It's kind of crazy. They give it a lot of time to this story because so much comes from this. And as you know, uh, Joseph is the, the great-grandson of Abraham. That's a big deal. His father, Jacob, which God renamed Israel, uh, is, is uh, from this, this tribe, if you will, this family. The Hebrew people come. Everything we read from Genesis to Revelation all comes out of this very family right here and what God is doing. And... Uh, but what we've seen in the first week is, number one, is that, that this family was really messed up. <laughs> this family was really messed up. It was imperfect. And what this story means is that God can, here's what I love about God, He can work through the broken parts of our life. Why do you always think that God only works through when we're at our best? But He can work through the broken parts. I don't know if I want to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you just have a messed up family? <laughs> or right now you're looking at your family, it's messed up. Let me... You have a biblical family then. Hey, there you go. Next time it gets really crazy in your family, just say, well, don't we have a biblical family? <clears throat> That's right. Last week in Newburgh, we, we looked at the overall theme of forgiveness. You know, you can't really ingest or really look at the life of Joseph without confronting or connecting with forgiveness. And his ability to forgive is so amazing. And... Uh, you know, living with unforgiveness, or if you hang on to unforgiveness, I heard one person say, it's like drinking poison and wait for the other person to die, right? But Joseph was able to keep his focus no matter what came at him. It wasn't easy, but he leaned into God in his darkest times, and, and in, the time, in the times of his life that were the hardest, 
We're going to see in this story over and over this phrase, and God was with Joseph. You know, I don't know if, if you've ever grew up going to summer camps, Bible camps. You went to retreats, women's retreats, men's retreats. You, you get on the mountain, and you meet God on the mountain, right? Sometimes it's so great to be there and just experience, and you, God is tangible. But here's what I love about this principle and this story is that, you know what? God was with Joseph every step of the way, not only when he was at his best, but when things were the most difficult. God was with him. And we're going to see that today. So here's the story that uh, the overview again is the fact that Joseph is born. His mother is Rachel, which happens to be his father's favorite wife, (laughs) which tells you a little something right there. He had four, but he had a favorite. And so when Joseph is born to them, her first opportunity to have a child, Jacob is older. He becomes, instantly he becomes Jacob's favorite. And Jacob was a passive father. He sees a lot of issues in his family, and he just doesn't want to deal with them. And this is just constant trouble and conflict between his sons and uh, the wives that he has. There's conflict, so it's, it's, it's one big messed up family. And the home in which Joseph was raised in was filled with angry, jealous, deceitful people. (laughs) You say, that sounds like a family reunion at my place, right? (laughs) But for 17 years, Joseph's brothers watch their father play favorites. And it makes them mad. And they don't just get mad, they get even. And we're going to see when Joseph goes to check on his brothers, because the Bible says that he would bring his father bad reports about his brothers. Basically, his brothers were up to no good most of the time, and his father would use him to go out kind of as reconnaissance. And he sends them off to see them at one point, and they see him coming. Last week, we talked about this. Um, They take him, they rip off his coat that represented his favor. They tore it up, threw him in a pit, and then sell him into slavery. And that's where we're going to pick it up today in Genesis 39, 1 to 3. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph. There's that line. So that he prospered. He lived in the house of his Egyptian master, And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that God had given him success in everything he did. See, from there, as Joseph is sold into slavery, he happens to be, just so happens that he's bought by an official. He's one of Pharaoh's officials. If you dig into this, you can see that that Potiphar was probably the head of the special forces or the secret service, if you will. He's, He's right close to Pharaoh and, and his administration. But God is with him, and, and he begins to excel, and he becomes a favored slave. Notice where he's come from. He was the favored son, <laughs> and now he's a favored slave. Don't, don't see that. But he runs the whole household. He, he excels where he's at, and he begins to run things so, so efficiently that the Bible says that Potiphar... He didn't have to worry about anything but the food that he ate. Can you imagine if your life was so dialed in and your home was so 
well ran, maybe you have this in your life, but uh, <laughs> I've never been there, but all you got to worry about is like, man, everything is so taken care of, what are we going to eat tonight? That's all I'm worried about, you know? We're going to have Fish Friday, we're going to have Taco Tuesday, what are we going to do? But Joseph is there, and he's there for 11 years. That's something else that a lot of times we don't get the time really frame here when we just read from one thing to another. He's sold into slavery, and he's taken by Potiphar, and then he's accused by Potiphar's wife. There was 11 years that took place as he worked in this house. And then, as you know, the story, you should know, and if you could go in and look, Potiphar's wife begins to pretty much harass him, sexually harass him, trying to get him to sleep with her, trying to get him to sin what Joseph said against God and against Potiphar, and he doesn't do it. And so he gets put into prison. So he's a favored son. (laughs) He gets thrown into a pit. He works as a slave for quite a while, and then now he's in prison. It's this 13-year path. I don't think this is a very good path. I don't think Joseph could have gone on the road and said, here's my path to success. The three P's of making it in life. Go from the pit to Potiphar to prison. How many want to go, you know? They're not going to do that. But as he's in prison, again, it says again, God was with him. God was with him wherever he was at, and he began to prosper even in the prison. God used him. It was obvious that God was with him, and so the jailer does the same thing, or the prison Warden, he does the same thing that Potiphar does. He says, man, this guy's got it together. I'm going to just let him run this thing. And we know the story that he interprets the dreams of two fellow inmates that happen to have connections at the palace, and he thinks, okay, this is, this is going to happen now. I'm going to be able to get out of here. Here's my ticket out of here. He interprets a dream that comes true for both of them. One gets restored to Pharaoh, all that to be forgotten. He gets forgotten another two years. But after these unexpected twists and turns, and I'm going quickly, over, kind of a 50-foot flyover, after 13 years of trouble and affliction and all these things, God blessed Joseph in an unimaginable way, and he becomes the second most powerful, probably man in the world, but definitely in Egypt at the time. In verse 46, it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, remember he had predicted that there was going to be seven years of abundance in the land, followed by seven years of famine, and he just suggested to Pharaoh that here's a way we can can make this work for us. Pharaoh put him in charge of it. During the seven years of abundance in the land, the land produced plentifully, and Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored them in cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Patira. Now, this is the wife that was given to him by Pharaoh, and he has two sons. The first one, firstborn, he named Manasseh. And it says, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble and my 
father's household. And the second son was named Ephraim. And it said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. It's interesting. I want to focus on that last name there, Ephraim, his second son. Fruitful, even one, one, one translation, through my affliction. That word affliction literally means suffering. So God has prospered me even in trouble. God had a plan even in my detour. God was with me the whole time even when I didn't think that he could even see me. So today as we, we kind of wrap this up, I, I kind of want to just look at some things that happened in Joseph's life and draw those out. Maybe three of those difficulties, those afflictions that happened to him that as I look back over my life and I think as we look over our lives, maybe we can see those in our lives and how God, even in those difficult times, can make us fruitful. He can work it for our good. He's cultivating something. See, isn't that interesting? You got Joseph as a 17-year-old kid with a dream, a powerful dream from God. But God had to do some work in his life to get him ready to where he needed him to be. And he cultivated his life. Why is it when, when our life takes a turn, maybe we didn't see coming, maybe somebody's done something to us, maybe something's happened to us, and we just... We think there's nothing godly about it whatsoever. We think, well, now I'm off on plan B over here. Now I'm off on a side road. God can't use me over here. And then maybe we get back where we think, okay. And God says, you know what? I was there the whole time. I was there the whole time. I was doing something in your life. So it's this counterintuitive rule of the kingdom. Really, it is. that God can make you fruitful even in affliction. God can do better things in you even though negative things are happening to you. So as you consider maybe today what troubles or difficulty that you're in right now, the question is how are you going to react to that? And can you believe for the God of Joseph to come through for you? What we saw, first of all, is that he he prospered through rejection. He prospered through rejection. And we we start reading the story in chapter 37. We covers the part of Joseph's life where Joseph's brothers, like I said, they get mad. And they don't just get mad. They get even with him, right? All this began because of the favored status that he had had from his father. And all the other sons decide to take it out on him. It's that coat of many colors. That week one we talked about, it probably most likely meant that it had long sleeves. It could have been even full length. It meant that it was a coat for administration, not for hard work. And the rest of this family was used to hard work. So pretty much just was a signal that, hey, Joseph is above us, but not for long. Joseph was the status of a favored son. But, you know, we see some mistakes even maybe in Joseph's life, maybe even foolishness or arrogance that he shares about these dreams that he's going to rule over his family. But we see the brothers get their opportunity for revenge and initially they'd planned to to kill him. But thanks to the intervention of his brothers Reuben and Judah, they put him in this empty well and then he gets sold as a slave. 
And the Bible says they actually even, they throw them in the pit and they just go have lunch afterwards. I mean, talk about the coldness. But these Midianite merchants, in turn, sell him after he sold as a slave to Potiphar. But because of his brother's rejection and betrayal, think about that. Joseph lost his rights, and he's now a slave. And I can't imagine the pain and the loneliness. It is certain that he would have been treated harshly. I mean, you don't take somebody into slave against their will without some harsh treatment by these slave traders. But God was with Joseph. And Potiphar takes over his life. And we begin to see this unique faith and this wisdom that Joseph has in his life. And again, Joseph goes from the favorite son to the favorite slave. And he works these 11 years for Potiphar. But what God is doing, he's working up skills in Joseph's life that become necessary, organizational skills, management skills. And God makes him fruitful even through rejection. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if there's any positive way that you can think about rejection. All of us has been through some type of rejection. Someone that should have loved us don't <laughs> or stopped. Someone that should have helped you isn't. Maybe you're going through rejection right now. Maybe it's a rejection in a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's in your job. You've been overlooked for something that you feel like you deserve. It can be difficult. And I've talked to several people as they go through difficult times of rejection. I think divorce is one of the hardest things to go through. I talked to one lady one time, says, she goes, I don't even have any more tears to cry. Ever been there? It's just that feeling of rejection, like, is God noticing where I'm at? Is God, I mean, how many conversations do you think he must, you got to have in the pit or in, in the slave Ben, as he's being taken to another land, or maybe in those initial days in Potiphar's house, how many times do you think, man, I should have been loved, I should have been cared for, the people that I should have, that should have loved me the most and I should have had the most trust in, don't. But God still blessed him through that. You know, there'll be times in our lives when we think we should be cared for and we're not. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 23 when David, before he was king, was on the run from Saul. Remember, Saul was the king and he was trying to kill David, so David is on the run and he comes to the, the aid of a certain town. He's kind of got a group of mercenaries around him and literally they're going around doing good. They're protecting people. They're, they're doing good kind of on their own, but they come to the city of, of Keilah. It's called Keilah. And they rescue this town. They rescue it from invaders. And they protect this town and rescue this town. And they come into this town. And then word gets back to Saul, hey, we know where David is and his guys. They're held up in this town. And then David hears word that Saul's on his way. And so he asks the Lord, he's like, God, um, are these people going to give me up or are they going to protect me? And the Lord told him, uh, they're going to give you up. Wait a minute, I've done everything for, I mean, I just saved their life and they're going to, they're going to reject me. 
Well, thankfully, David was able to take the word of the Lord, and he got out before Saul got there. But sometimes you've got you've to be able to rise above the ingratitude. David was able to do that, and it made him fruitful. We can, we can even gain and grow through times of rejection. God's always working in me in greater ways than what's happening to me. Second thing we see here is that he prospered through false accusations. I know this gets a little specific here, but as Joseph begins to prosper in Potiphar's house, this 11-year track record of doing great things, again, I mean, he did not, he, the, the, Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything. Everything prospered under Joseph's care. 11 years of, of track record, and then his wife sets her eyes on him. One of the places in the Bible, the description of Joseph, he's a good-looking guy. A couple series ago, maybe last series, we were talking about Esther. She was beautiful in form and face, they said. Well, same could be said about Joseph. He's, he's a good-looking guy. Well, we don't know what Potiphar's wife looked like, <laughs> but we know that she sets his sight on him and eventually traps him into compromising, but Joseph runs. He's not going to do it. And because he's not going to hurt God, he's not going to hurt his employer or his master, he says he won't, won't do the thing that she wants him to do, which if you think about, maybe he'd have thought, you know what, nobody else is caring for me, nobody else wants me, my own family doesn't want me, my own brothers don't, I mean all the, do you ever just, you know, make things in your heart where you go, you know, I, I think I deserve this, I kind of talk myself into it, right? Like, you know, maybe this is the perk that's coming my way, but Joseph stands and he's falsely accused and he ends up in prison, cutting words of false accusation. You know, they, they come to all of us from time to time somehow. You ever heard of this character assassination? I don't know if you've ever been in a spot like that. That can be one of the most challenging things. When somebody attacks your character, when somebody thinks the worst about you. And I, I, I know I'm not perfect, but boy, when I hear someone has said, well, here's what I think is going on in his mind. I think here's what his motive is. Boy, that's false. Ooh. Social media is so wonderful, isn't it? And people can jump to so many conclusions about you, about statements you make. I always call it like, I, I, I rarely put any posts anymore besides pictures of the tulip from the tulip fields. I'll throw those up there. It's like, hey, you can't criticize tulips. But they're from Holland, and you know what they say about the Dutch. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, but... Because you make a comment on there and all of a sudden it's on, right? They're going to jump into that. And I've seen friends a few times put some statements out there. And I kind of know their heart, but I go, uh-oh. And here they jump in. And there's accusations and they're painful. It's amazing how such accusations, false accusations, or let me just call it what it is, gossip, right? Doesn't gossip travel? I, mean, I wish good news traveled as fast as gossip. Marvin Gaye heard it through the grapevine. There's no grapevine like the church grapevine. Hello? 
I'm telling you. Sometimes we call it prayer requests. Well, I, you know, pray for Sister Brown. Uh, just between you and me and Jesus, let me tell you what's really going on. I mean, you know, that never, never happens here because Carlton's been built from the ground up. But the Bible says that he continued to trust God even though, you know, he goes from rejection to false accusation. And he trusts God. But God continued to make him fruitful through it. It seems like, from what we read, he walks into prison with the same attitude he had had in Potiphar's house, that, you know what, I'm going to be a blessing here, I'm going to work here, I'm going to make myself useful here, even though he had every reason to be bitter. It's like, God, you know, you gave me a dream years ago, and this is how I'm treated? God, you gave me a dream and a purpose and favor, and then this is what happens? Last week, we talked about forgiveness. Talked about forgiving a lot of areas, and one of, the, one of the things is, you know, some of us need to forgive God. That might sound really weird. But you know, how many times have you just been mad at God because it didn't happen? Like, God, where are you? My life, I look back over it and said, you know, I know what I was promised. I know what happens to the people that do everything right, and then sometimes we have to just say, God, I trust you enough to know that I might not understand your ways. And somehow Joseph is able to receive this, and he finds favor with the warden, who turns, in turn, makes him this chief administrator in the prisons. Like, you know, I dreamed of being in charge, but I didn't want to be in charge of a prison. And favorite son, favorite slave, favorite executive, executive of the year, in San Quentin, but he became fruitful even through the affliction of false accusation. And then the last thing today, he, he prospered through being forgotten. As the story continues, chapter 40 of Genesis it talks about how two new inmates come in, and as Joseph is administrating the prison, these two guys come in, they call him the chief uh, cupbearer of the king. He's... He's the one that is an advisor of the king. He literally brings the king his wine. His, he's testing it so that the king is not poisoned. And then the baker also comes in. So maybe there was something afoot going on and somebody tried to poison Pharaoh somehow. So the baker and the cupbearer end up in prison. And they encounter Joseph, and Joseph cares about their feelings. I mean, this is crazy. It says he comes in, and they're kind of down. I'm mean, like, how can you tell when a prisoner is down? I mean, what's a good day in prison? I don't know. It's like, hey, you guys seem a little down. It's like, we're in prison. <laughs> but they'd had dreams, you remember. They had had dreams that they didn't understand, and Joseph cared enough to interpret those dreams, and they, they came true. One was restored, just as Joseph said. The other one was executed, just like Joseph said. But as the guy's walking out to be restored, he's like, hey, remember me. And I, I can even imagine this cupbearer saying, dude, I will never forget what you did for me. I will never forget what you did for me. Oh, my goodness, man, thank you. You have helped me. <sighs> Door closes, guess what he did? Forgot what he did for him. For two years, he forgets him. I can't imagine the, the conversation Joseph is having with God. Maybe he thinks, well, maybe this is just it. Maybe this is just 
what God has for me. And chapter 40, verse 23 says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And I don't know, we're talking about false accusation, we're talking about difficulties, but I think being forgotten, our efforts of hard work, I mean, you can be the most incredible employee, and a lot of times you're just not going to get what you deserve. Maybe looked over. Some of you have been looked over for positions you should have got that advancement. I know in ministry sometimes, man, you can minister and you can be forgotten by others. I want you there when I need you, pastor. <laughs> I want you there when I need you, prayer team. But at other times, sometimes you can be forgotten. Maybe you might even be, be able to interpret this and might feel like God has forgotten me. And if, if they've forgotten me, well, maybe God has forgotten me. But as Joseph is patient and he continues to trust in the Lord, he begins to lift him up at the right time. And thankfully, after two years, it just so happens that Pharaoh has a sleepless night with some crazy dreams. And then all of a sudden it all clicks for the cupbearer. He's like, wait, wait a minute. Dream interpretation, I now remember the promise I made to somebody. And Joseph is brought in to interpret the king's dreams, but he says, I can't, but God can. And while, you know, most people are looking for the right contacts and, and significance, looking for a hand up, looking for a foot up, looking for a way to get up, looking for take advantage of situations, Joseph is a man of God, and Joseph found his purpose in God. And you know, in the most unexpected place, God elevates him. Again, this has been 13 years from the time he first had these dreams as a 17-year-old kid. Now he's 30 years old. 13 years can seem like an eternity. How long is 13 years when you're a slave and then a prisoner? That's got to be a long time. But then God elevates him rather unexpectedly after interpreting the king's or Pharaoh's dream. And we see this, and he goes from favorite son to favorite slave to favorite executive, but in a prison. And now he's a favorite diplomat, favorite prime minister. So I look at where, where did Joseph, you know, acquire all these skills? Well, his father gave him a coat and wanted to administer the family business. And then years in a house where he had to administrate and then in a prison being an administrator and then God uses this. And he was able to tell his brothers later when they were feeling that they were going to be judged finally and rightly so, he says, what you intended for evil, God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Again, I come back to the thing that we read in the scriptures where the Apostle Paul says, God can make all things work together for good to those that are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but if you put all things in my life in here, there's, it wasn't all the greatest things. It's crazy that God can use all things together for my good. 
We, we sang it in the song today over and over that God can make things work out for our good. And if everything that you have been through and all the difficult things and the painful things, what if they're bringing you exactly where God wants you to be? His will is too great. His plan is never frustrated by our setbacks. My plans are frustrated. Well, you know, when I started out, I didn't plan on a divorce. And God's like, oh, okay, we'll work with that. I didn't plan on losing my job, being fired. Okay. I didn't plan on my kids doing things they shouldn't be doing. I should have been on top of that. I should have been a better parent. My, my family has not been supportive or even worse. And maybe I've been neglected. Maybe I've been a, even worse abused. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. We say this a lot. I think it's even in a song. Uh, great theologian, Katy Perry, saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Maybe it was Kelly Clarkson. I'm not sure. We've heard that a lot. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But it almost is like, you know, God is going to bring you to the point of death just to make you a little stronger in life. But the scripture again says, even before time, I saw you being knitted together in your mother's womb. I saw you being knitted together in your mother's womb. Do you think the God that, that is omnipresent and all-knowing, he sees the road that is the ones we're going to take and the roads that take us, and he sees it. And so Paul says, I can work all things together for good. I'm not saying because, hey, we're going to make sinful choices. We make sinful choices. We're going to deal with some of those consequences. But yet God is big enough that nothing is going to frustrate his plan to the point where he says, oh, I can't use you anymore. So many times we felt like that. Well, if my plan would have gone perfectly, then God could use me. But yet my, what if all the difficult things, the, maybe the abusive situation, which obviously was not in God's plan. He didn't want that for you, but even though it happened, he says, you know, I, I can still use that. Maybe it was the, the false accusation of people that, that took away your, your standing where you should have had it, and God's like, well, that didn't totally surprise me. Maybe it's the, the rejection of those that should have loved you the most and don't or didn't or walked away when they should have stayed. But yet God says, I can work all things together for good. Yesterday, I, I did a little quick trip, and uh, I drove over to Idaho on Friday, just on the border, 84, all the way to Ontario, Oregon. I grew up right on the other side of the river in a little place called Payette, a little two-bit town. And uh, my, my parents pastored there for 25 years, and so I kind of grew up in that community. I went to school there. I made all my mistakes there, right? And so later, I came back as an adult and was in ministry there and raised my kids there, and then, then I came back to Oregon. And so you ever go back and just drive through your hometown, just drive around a little bit, and you go, oh, <laughs> I remember that place, and oh, I remember that house, and man, that looks different. And 
You know, I, growing up in southern Idaho, I used to think, you know, we had trees and grass. I thought it was really pretty. And then I spend time around here and I go back, man, this place is ugly. <laughs> but as I'm driving around the community and I'm just reminded, how many know that anytime you look back, I wish I remembered all the great things, but you know what else was coming to my mind? A lot of the dumb things that I did, a lot of the dumb things I said, a lot of the painful moments that happened on, in that house, on this street, in that church. And I just had this sense of God saying, you know what, all that stuff were building blocks. And Dave, you're right where I want you to be. And it was almost this overwhelming gratitude, even though some of those things I thought I could never recover from. But I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to say this today, that no matter what you've been through, and no matter what things have happened to you, or at you, or taken from you, God is big enough that he can work it. And what if you're exactly right where God wants you to be right now? I wish I could say that uh, tomorrow, unexpectedly, you're going to become into wealth and honor, unimaginably, and be the, you know, lottery winners. I wish I could say that for myself. <laughs> and, uh, but being right where God wants me to be, being able, as we sang that song, the rain came, the wind blew, but my house is built in the right spot. I'm going to make it because God is always building. He can, take this, he can take the stuff of life and he can build it into your life. And yeah, many of us, it's, we never get to connect the dots forward, do we? But man, I can look back and go, oh, sometimes I can look back and go, oh, okay, I, I can see where that led and I can see where that led and I can see where that led. But to get to the place where I can say, God, I trust you with my life. I'm willing to be what you require. And that's maybe to realize that I'm going to lack what you're not going to give me right at this moment. To be able to stand like Joseph and say to his brothers, hey, you thought you were getting away with something. You thought it was evil, but guess what? God intended it for my good. He built me into the person that I need to be at this moment, at this time, because I'm willing to lay it on the line. I'm willing to turn it over to him. I'm willing. And you know, his, his brothers had a story to tell too. But theirs is one of a life of regret because of what they had done. And they never was able to get past that. 13 years later, they're still living that nightmare. You know, they sold him into slavery, right? And they went home and slept in their own beds. But who was really the slave? <laughs> Because the first thing that happens when they get in, the, in conflict at Joseph's place when he's about ready to get grain and he's, he's making it hard on the first thing they said is, I know where this is happening because of the way we treated our brother. They'd been living with that every day. And Joseph is the one that sold into slavery, but he was able to say, God, I'm just going to give you where I'm at. Okay, you've got me at Potiphar's house, I'm going to serve you. And... Even when poor choices come that I think I might deserve, no, 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 I'm going to go your way, God, even though it's another step down. I get in the prison, okay, God, this is where you've got me, I'm going to serve you. And his brothers came to the realization that, thank God, one member of our family is looking to God. 
and is allowing the difficult things, the building blocks that seem most painful, the turns. So Joseph is holding his little babies. He's holding Manasseh, saying, wow, here I am in this place. Who would have thought this journey? And then he's holding little Ephraim in his hands, and he's saying, you know what? God can turn it around. God can even give me blessing for affliction. God can even give me something beautiful out of the ashes that I could have been focused on that, but now I choose to focus on this. So maybe our prayer today could be this as we close. God, I believe that you have me right where you want me. Use me here. God, help me to see what you're doing in me that should speak louder than what's been done to me. God, help me to focus on the now instead of the then. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever prayed this prayer or ever thought, how do I get into the center of God's will? How do I get right where God wants me? How do I get into his will? Well, you know what? It starts by saying, God, I'm gonna accept what you have right now and I'm gonna believe I'm right where I need to be and if you have that prayer in that heart, your faith is gonna bring you right to where God wants you to be. Joseph's family story is one of brokenness and pain and difficulty, but we see the hand of God moving through it and I could say if we just had a little open mic time like we did at the funeral yesterday, you know, and let's just tell some stories. We'd go around and and I think we'd see over and over that, you know, I, I went through this, I didn't see it coming. I went through this and it was painful. But God, but God's hand, but God's provision, but God's help. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the life and, and story of an incredible person like Joseph. God, that you would work through his life that, you would prosper him through difficult things, that you would grow him through the rejection that he experienced, through the false accusations that came his way and through even being forgotten. But God, you use those, not as a chip on the shoulder, but God, as building blocks for his soul. And God, I pray today that as we lean into you now, taking this character, taking this perspective and now finding a place in our own heart and mind today. Lord, we lean into your word that says that you knew us before we were even knit together in our mother's womb. And then later, we learn that you can work all things to work together for our good because we're called according to your purpose in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, that you can make things new. Thank you, God, that if any person be in Christ, that they can become a new creation. And God, I pray that you would help us today as we see the principles of learning to not hold on to unforgiveness, be able to turn it over to you and let you be God in those situations. And today, most importantly, God, thank you for the blessing and the prosperity that you can even bring even in the difficulties of our life. Help us to Look to you in that. Lean into you in that. Let me just say this to you as where you're at, as we're in this moment of prayer. Like I said, I started the welcome today saying, 
There's no random acts. I believe you're in this room for a purpose. You're in this place for a reason today. God put this day together before we even knew it was coming. And maybe you would just receive that word into your heart today. And God has a plan, even though things have been hard. God has a plan, even though things have been unexpected. And I would invite you today, if you've not taken a moment, probably the most important moment, in saying, Jesus, would you come in and be my leader and my friend? Bible says that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and will forgiveness, forgive us. I'd like to tell you that all your problems go away, but as we see in the life of Joseph, no, no, no. It's not that all the problems go away, but he is always going to be with us and he'll make them work together for our good. It's not what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's what you allow God to use will build you into the person, the man, the woman that he wants you to be. His version of what he wants you to be. Would you just receive that today? And if you need to take that moment and say that most important prayer, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I need to come back to you. I need my time and attention to come back to you. The Bible says that he will be faithful with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Clint. I want to thank you for joining us today for this podcast, and I hope it was beneficial for you. Our vision at Family Life Church is simple, to create a safe and authentic environment for people to encounter Jesus. If you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please don't hesitate to send us an email at admin at myflc.org or connect with us via social media on Facebook or Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. We'd enjoy hearing from you. Again, thank you for listening today and God bless you as you pursue Him.